Hello and welcome to Podcast Sands End. My name is Matt and this is the show where I want to start a clothing company but don't know how, so I call people who do. Today on the phone we've got Adam, creator of The Hounds, a company with a heart for fashion and philanthropy. My chat with Adam was super refreshing and I learned a ton too. Fun fact, Adam's hometown is where I went to college. Anyhow, I think you're really going to like this one, so let's jump right into it. Episode 13, let's do it. Hey, how are you, sir? Good, how are you? I am wonderful. It's good to hear from you, man. Nice to hear from you too, Adam, right? Yes, sir. Right on. Well, Adam, thank you so much for being on Podcast Sands End. Perfect. I'm so happy to be here, man. So, like, before we talk about the hounds, I'm curious, tell me about yourself, uh, your story, how you came to this point. Okay, so I grew up as a military kid in uh, this tiny, tiny small town in Ohio. I think I graduated from public school with 45 kids. Wow. Um, so I went to school in Kentucky for a little bit. I grew up in this like, kind of like, so the town that I was in was like a small farming community. Um, so kind of obsessed with football and that really was my focal point growing up. And, uh, but also had the military thing. I'm hearing disabled. So that wasn't a career choice for me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I grew up in that town and it was a very, it was a very talented town, but it was, um, super just socially very conservative town and, uh, not super, tolerant or yeah of just outliers of any degree so whether you were like super talented or super untalented or you were just off the wall that sort of thing yeah um the town wasn't greatly supportive of that um so i was literally the only person in my graduating class to go to school outside of ohio wow I went to school in Kentucky for a while and got to soak up that um, culture, which was beautiful. I love the state of Kentucky. It's God's country. I'll probably retire there someday. Nice. Um, I, my last vacation, we went climbing in Red River Gorge. Um, I just love that area. And I have awesome friends from there. It's where I did my backstreet party. Um, so from there, I went to school in Ohio for a little bit, back to the town I grew up in, um, yeah. which was cool. Uh, but then I kind of reached the point where I was just over school. So I stopped doing that. Uh, and I was selling sunglasses, sold sunglasses to the right guy. And he, uh, offered me a job in banking. And so banking's been where it's been, uh, till I had this conviction to start the brand is probably in a small group. I was in two and a half, three years ago. Yeah. I had the conviction to do it. I've had the idea for a long time. Um, and my brother and I were going to do it. He didn't end up doing it, but it was finally, I think, time for me to stop thinking about it yeah. and start actually doing it. That's a big moment. Yeah, it was, it was hugely transformative for me, that's for sure. Yeah, that leap of faith definitely like 
you're not ready until you take it, and then it almost makes you ready. I've found uh, <laughs> through the fire. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you that I did like all sorts of preparation to get to that point. Um, so right after I got out of school, there was this little blog out, and it was uh, I say little, but like we did decently big stuff. Mm. It was called the Village Style, and so I started writing for this. But the whole time that I was doing it, it was like almost exactly what you do. Yeah. I was creating content for other people, but under the surface, it was, and this is going to sound bad that I'm saying it, but it was entirely self-serving. Yeah. Like I was happy to create content, but the real thing was I had my own agenda when I was sitting down with these designers or brand owners or whatever. Right. And, and, and the free clothes were cool too. I can't throw that out. Like, <laughs> I loved that aspect of it. But truthfully, the people who I got to be in the same room with and ask questions to, it gave me that legitimacy to be able to do that because otherwise they would have a hundred kids a day calling and asking them, oh, will you mentor me about this? Because I think of people that I've met through that, that I have access to that I can call right. and have their phone numbers. And it's wild how I built my Rolodex. Right. Like, to use the, that term so quickly. Right, right. Um, and the level of mentors I've been able to access is humbling for me to even think that I, was, that I could have access to those people. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you got like a, a running start jumping into it. That's really cool. I guess, how did the... Uh, how, how did the hounds start? So you you were convicted and you finally said, okay, I'm going to do it. I have, I have some resources. I know some people. Uh, how did it go from that to, you know, selling your first shirt from putting the website up from, you know, like uh, starting. Okay. So originally the idea to start a brand was with me and my older brother. Um, my older brother wanted to do more of a, preppy type brand, uh, more of a Southern gentleman type thing. Nice. Um, and the idea was to do uniforms. Uh, we'd gone to this private, uh, liberalized school in Ohio. And at the time that we were there, like the uniform, every dude wore an Oxford to class. Like that was, it wasn't required, which is, it was a school that was so, had so many rules at the time. It's mind blowing to think that we didn't have uniforms. Yeah. Um, but everybody wore the Oxford. And so for my brother and me, it was like, we let's do something basic. Let's do like the uniform and the Oxford's made sense. And it was something we both knew and we both wore. I'd grown up, um, being a skater when I was really young. And then I was kind of like a scene kid as embarrassing as that is. <laughs> Um, but my style had always leaned more towards that. Yeah. Um, and my brother is just like, and he, he fits the mold too. He's six two, blonde hair, blue eyes and his military uniform. He looks like the guy that designed it for. Wow. So his style has always been way more all American type. Yeah. Um, as far as the boat shoes and the college shirts and everything like that. Like it just made more sense. So right. two styles, kind of connected there and I wanted to like reimagine the Oxford. Um, but then he ended up not being able to be a part of it, but we had already 
created the name of the brand. Um, all my siblings have full-size dogs, so whenever we would go to my parents' house for Christmas or whatever, it would be five dogs all in 60-plus pounds stampeding through their house. So that's wow. where we got the name, The Hounds. Love it. Uh, but then he couldn't be a part of it, um, so I kind of shelved it for a while after I'd been doing the blog, getting all these mentors. I had that deep conviction through a small group I was in about a year later, and I was like, all right, I'm going to start. And I started all my market research. So then it was just, I just lived in college shirts for probably the next month. I did 30 days of Oxfords. Uh, it was kind of like a photo journal I did. Okay. Um, when I, once I, that was to build my taste because I really didn't know what my taste was. Right. Um, I didn't know enough about it, even as a consumer, you know, like, you can say, like, this shirt fits well. This is my favorite shirt, but I can't pinpoint exactly. Is it the higher armholes? Is it the collar buttons? Like, what is it about this shirt? Right. So I had to figure that out. So I did that for a while, and I had great mentors. Um, probably my best mentor through that process was a man named Charles David. He started a brand named T. Walker. Uh, he'd also worked at J. Crew. He'd worked at Ralph. He's a phenomenal photographer. And... uh I was able to, I had his number left over from when I was at the village. So he was super pumped. Nice. Um, so he helped me through that as far as designing the first shirt and what I did. So that I get through that process of figuring out what I like. I tear it apart. Um, I basically tore apart all my favorite shirts and went to a pattern maker. Nice. Um, Cause there's a million services out there that are like, we'll do X, Y, and Z for you. If you pay us three times the market rate. <laughs> Um, so don't do that. Never pay for information. Um, in this, you know, like if you're just willing to dig deep enough right. and use Google translate and all that, shoot, you'll be fine for sure. So I just kept digging through it. Um, found the pattern maker, got a solid pattern and realized that I wanted to do something socially as well. Tom's had always been like one of my favorite brands. And I'm a huge, I'm still a huge fan of Tom's. I don't wear them quite like I used to. Sure. Um, but I wanted to do something socially and that Tom's definitely was an influence on that. I had interned with an organization called Inner City Impact in Chicago, Illinois. Years okay. ago, it's where I And I knew I wanted to do something to help take care of those kids from Chicago. Mm. And this was, I called them and I said, hey, like, what's, what's going on up there? I'm doing this, and they said clothing, uniforms, Oxford Bazaar uniforms. So the idea was to provide school uniforms to the kids for each Oxford sold. So I had the pattern. Uh, a guy who was in my small group and his wife, they did all the branding for it. I have no um, artistic skills whatsoever. I'm just now getting into photography, but otherwise I can't. I can't do AutoCAD. I can't do Photoshop. I can't do Adobe. I do nothing. Yeah, your logo looks great. Thank you. That's Andrew and Emily Bowman. They uh, run Bad Spark. So check them out. They do great work. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so I worked with them and we created the brand. And so all this time is happening. And you're still trying to build up to be able to 
released the Oxford, which the way I did the Oxford was kind of an expensive way to do it as far as designing it, sending it off to a manufacturer, having the manufacturer do it. And I don't regret that at all. I have an awesome manufacturer in Honduras. Mm. But I'd gone to visit them and I was building hype because I think I'm a better marketer than anything else. I right. think that's, that's what I imagine myself. And so in the meantime, <laughs> they wanted to, they were like, come on, dude, this is a cool look. Just put this leftover logo which is the script logo that is done on a lot of shirts mm. um, on a t-shirt, sell it and do something socially there. And I was like, that is cool. I don't want to keep people waiting forever. And I've used this analogy before, but it's like, it becomes like that guy in a band who's like, yeah, we're going to make it. I'm going to get signed. I'm going to get signed. I'm right. going to get signed. And eventually people, they lose interest. Mm. It's just, okay, yeah, someday you're going to get signed. Call us then. Right. Um, so I had people's attention. So I released that. And immediately, um, I think before the day was over, I think I'd sold 50 shirts or something like that. Wow. Uh, no, it took me like a week and a half to get to 50 shirts. But before the day was over, I'd sold 20, which was my original goal because I had talked with my nonprofit partner and we were going to send 20 kids from inner city Chicago on their first camping trip, which is... If you've never taken kids from inner city camping, maybe camping's not your thing, but it is one of the most fun activities I've ever done. <laughs> they grow so much in a weekend because um, it's a whole different world as far as these kids are. A lot of them have never seen a raccoon. Yeah. A lot of them have lived in Chicago their entire lives and never seen Lake Michigan. Wow. Um, so they're concerned about the sharks and <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful experience. Uh, and we did that. We were able to do that in 24 hours to fund that camping trip. It's amazing. So from there, we just kept building it. Um, and then we ended up being able to flew down to Honduras, met with my sewers, set everything up. Um, and then we were able to get the funding and we were able to release, we were to go from printables to cut and sew in six months, which as far as, progress goes it's usually like two or three seasons a company will go through yeah before they will jump to cut and sew and some people will never jump to cut and sew yeah um so that's like that's wild progress standpoint probably my my most my proudest moment to jump to cut and sew yeah printables in six months how did how did that transition how was that uh how do you do it i guess uh, first I would say just be like, I was like way overconfident that <laughs> I had the ability or that the brand had the ability to jump to cut and sell. Right. Um, but I mean, basically if you're going to, if you're going to do that, you gotta be, you gotta want to shoot your shot mm. when you're open, you know? And so we've done that and we reached a good point of notoriety. Um, there was, I had a friend who I was also a camp counselor with. He released this, he was, he was writing a letter to his students, um, but he did the letter in the form of a music video. Nice. And the music video went viral. He was on Good Morning America. He was on some show with Will Smith. I'm not even sure what the show was called. Wow. Um, but in the video, he's wearing a shirt. And so overnight, we were getting all these insane hits all over our website. And uh, so that helped him market it a little bit, but basically it took off on Reddit. And then 
I don't know how familiar you are with internet marketing, but Reddit's one of those things where if it hits on Reddit, it's going to be on Facebook three days later. Okay. Um, and so it got huge there and kind of just took off, which was awesome. I mean, I even got, and there was so much coverage that you can't even stay on top of it. <laughs> right. I've gotten, I, someone sent me an article where I was listed as the song producer and they were saying that I was like plagiarizing Michael Jackson. <laughs> what? It's like, I didn't do any of these things, right. but you're helping our SEO right now. So <laughs> right, right. keep doing it. Um, so from there we've had, we've had that, all that momentum and uh, I got in this pitch competition and the nice thing was I had been pitching to investors this whole time. Yeah. Um, but I've been pitching it like you would typically pitch the funding of a tech company, um, which would require me to have a pretty big ask. Mm. Um, not sure how familiar you are with that. If you've ever watched Shark Tank or something yep. like that, that's essentially what I was doing. But my ask was fairly large at the time. Uh, and I was in a pitch competition for $5,000. Um, it was basically where would $5,000 get you? And it was, Hey, well, I can make my cut and sew, jump to cut and sew for $5,000. And I had to redo my whole budget. Right. I had to work with my sewers and my sewers were, they were down. They were cool to work with me. Um, so it was a lot easier to raise that as soon as I lowered my ask so much. Mm. So we did that and yeah, I just was sourcing material and everything. My sewers are awesome. And Tegushi Galpa, Simmons Go, he kills it. He's a great, He's a great businessman to work with. I recommend it. And he's taught me so much. Um, and he makes me practice my Spanish so I can talk to everybody. Uh, when I've flown down to the factory, he, he'll hang out with me for like two hours, do lunch with me, right around everywhere. But then the rest of the time, he's like, if you have a question about this thing, talk to this person because they're going to know it better than I am. Right. Great leadership on his part. Mm. Um, but super tough for me because <laughs> I speak broken Spanish at best. Yeah. Well, that's ama- an amazing uh, jump uh, transition. Congratulations on that. Thank you, dude. It was, it's a major victory. And it's one of those things that you kind of have to be a fashion nerd or really be in the industry to understand like the gravity of it. Yeah. Um, it's not like one of those things. Like anybody, you can never play golf in your life and know that a hole in one is a big deal. Right. But if you're not in fashion, like you made a shirt, congratulations. Right, right. This is this was a hole in one though. Yeah, for me it is. I mean, you got to think of how many people have made brands that never got beyond cut and sew. Maybe they didn't want to get beyond cut and sew, but I think that that's a big deal to make that jump, especially because I'm not a sewer at all. Yeah, no ability to do that. No, that's huge. That's really cool. Uh, you you have so you have like three products on your website that I could see mm-hmm. uh, and each one kind of serves a different need in a way mm-hmm. uh did and and i'm kind of i kind of gathered part of the answer from uh when you talked about the camp but did the need come and then the shirt so like hey we have this need okay let's make this or like vice versa or does it all kind of happen at once uh definitely um so we try to do it need first and then work backwards so with the Oxfords, I said those were our uniforms. So with my brother, the plan was to make basics, like whatever right. something every dude would have, make basics. And when they said they needed uniforms, 
then we worked backwards to our uniform was the Oxford. Nice. Same thing with camp. Uh, they had camp and we had the logo and it made sense. And I, I didn't make any money on those shirts because camp is such an expensive experience uh, for a t-shirt. But right. we try to work backwards. The first one where we really 100% worked backwards, but I didn't even have a concept, was the long sleeve. Mm. Um, they said they needed winter gloves. They needed them for the young kids, but they also needed them for the big kids. And it was harder for them to get them for the big kids uh, just because uh, at some point, a kid, when a kid becomes a teenager, I think people tend to, they're not cute anymore and they can tend to become more of like, people can perceive them as a nuisance. Yeah. Which I get. Some teenagers are <laughs> right. Up and like, you don't have to, like, you don't have to be so loud. Just be a normal person. Right, um, right. But the teenagers still had the same needs. So that's when we started designing the long sleeve and we knew we wanted it to be warm and comfortable and the long sleeve kind of fit that same niche, which, uh, it ended up being awesomely successful, which I'm so thankful for. I have garbage bags full of winter gloves that I've purchased and haven't even sent to Chicago yet. So I need to get on that. But right. yeah, we try to work backwards as much as we can. Yeah. Um, Cause obviously it's a designer. I have all these concepts that I want to do, but if I don't have a mission, it's not worth my time. Um, right. So like a hat. We haven't done a hat yet because um, I can't figure out what to do with the hat. I have to find a barber that either wants to cut hair for each hat I sell or nice. I'll have to do something for mental health or I'll have to do something for like tutoring, you know? Yeah, yeah. All all around the mind or the head. I love the business model. I love the thought process behind all that. Oh, thank you so much, man. I've been I've been lucky to steward the opportunity. Absolutely. Um, okay, so like what is next for the hounds? Is it just a matter of waiting for that next opportunity? Is it pushing the opportunities you already have further and further? Uh what's in the plan? So right now, big things going on lately we have brought all of our marketing in-house uh before last month uh we had all of our photography done uh by contracted photographers um i had one on a trainer for a long time and she did great work um mm -hmm. but overall she ended up moving it was hard for me to find consistent photographers otherwise right um, so I decided I wanted to do it myself. I took it to class forever ago and it was just a matter of finding that camera, pulling the trigger. So that's all coming in house, which is cool. And we're going to start profiling people who are really in the same lane as us. Um, right. So we've tried to do the influencer thing before, um, who people who we thought were in the same lane as us. I can't tell you how many shirts I've liked mail the people and I'd be like, all right, man, I'm going to get a great ROI on this. Right. Nothing. There, no. was, there was one record label where I knew a dude who was like affiliated with it. And I sent it to the entire record label, oh. like every artist on there and not a single one. I never heard back. Nobody ever wore it. Man. So we're going to start just profiling people who we know, who we know are kind of doing social good, looking out for the community you know, building bridges for those in their community. Right. Um, so profile a lot of them. So we're just going to keep designing. Um, 
I have a long sleeve coming out now that is actually going to fund camp this year. Um, awesome. I just creatively didn't have much going on for t-shirts. Um, it's a, uh, it's a challenging kind of canvas for me for the t-shirt. I think long sleeve for some reason is like, piques my interest more right now. Yeah. That's perfectly fine too. Yeah. I mean, it's really whatever inspires me. And lately that's, what's been inspiring me. So I'm happy to keep designing on that and keep pushing that. Um, we yeah. did our first women's specific design or women's kind of leaning design with our red long sleeve. There's definitely a more feminine design. Um, but I thought it turned out really well. And I mean, I love wearing it. Um, I don't think it's too overly feminine, but. Right. Yeah. And I was just seeing kids reward girls jeans. So, <laughs> so not a judge. it's right, right in your alley, right? Yep. You know it. Yeah. And you wouldn't want to force, <laughs> if you're not feeling t-shirts, you don't want to force t-shirts. So yeah, it's all, all part of the creative process. If t-shirts are meant to be, they'll come around eventually, I guess. Exactly. I mean, I've done t-shirts and they've done really well, but lately I haven't had anything that I thought was new. Um, I think really when it comes to entrepreneurship or design or whatever, my thought process has always been like, this doesn't exist and I want it to exist, so I'm going to make it exist. Right. I think Yvonne Chouinard always says like, if you want to get a look at an entrepreneur, look at the juvenile delinquent, um, because it's just somebody who says this sucks. I'm going to do my own thing. And I think for me, from a design standpoint, like I look at the status quo and I was like, this isn't what I want. I'm going to do my own thing. Like with my Oxfords, a lot of people complain. They're like, it's, it's way too skinny. Like the armholes are too high. The chest is too small. The shoulders are too small. And I was like, and then from my perspective, like I appreciate the feedback and I appreciate them buying it. Right. But like, there's other people that design Oxford with bigger chest and shoulders and you can buy their stuff. <laughs> right. Situation was I couldn't find something that fit me perfectly. Um, and so I made it. Right. But creatively, I'm always, I, if I, I have to want it to exist to put the effort into it. Right. Yeah. It's got to be a, a passion of yours and not for somebody else, even though like it is for somebody else because that's like mm-hmm. your mission, but it it's a, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, I think in general, and you'll find this designing yourself, uh, creative pursuits of like any kind, it originally comes down to taste. Like before the skill set, I think taste is what really makes or breaks you. Like they'll talk about like great chefs um, and they'll have just like the most sensitive taste and uh, scent, like mm. senses. Um, and I think that you look at great photographers, even before they know how to use the camera, they already know what will look good. They're already sensitive to the light. And I think as a, as a designer of clothes, it was, I, I was real picky about what I wore and I had a lot of taste and I said like, this is good or this is bad. And that was before I had the ability to design. Right. Uh, and I think you'll find that across the board where people will say like, my jeans just weren't perfect or my shirt wasn't perfect. And I thought I could do it better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, they have the eye for it, whether it's, or the taste for it. And it's just a matter of learning the tools and then putting them to use. 
Exactly, man. You've been doing this podcast for a while now. You're learning it all. <laughs> it's amazing, honestly. Like each guest that I talk to, I'm connecting it to things that other guests have said. I'm just like, oh man, there's a common thread. You know, this is true. Uh, it's it's been uh, in in a similar way as you, you mentioned earlier, talking to those people for uh, for your writing. Uh, it's definitely humbling learning from people like you and like so many others, uh, putting the dots together one step at a time. So, yeah, I mean, you have so many good phone numbers now. I'm kind of jealous of you, like all the available mentors. Yeah, no, it's a privilege. If Send you ha- up. if you ever see, uh, if you're ever scrolling through the 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 lists of the or the episodes, and you say, "Hey, I'd like to talk to that person." Uh, let me know, and I'll I'll do my best to hook you up. Dude, I would appreciate it. That would be awesome. I think. Thank you so much. Cause I still learn from so many people. Even it's cool to see like the different relationships you make. Um, people that I've learned with a long time ago to see how huge some of their stuff gets. I think uh, there's a dude. He runs a brand called We, um, or We Apparel. And he'd come to me early on before he did it because we'd talked about doing stuff together. Mm. And we had one design and it just didn't work out. But he hadn't done clothes before and it was when I was first doing uh, The Hounds. Yep. And it's cool because he's totally leapfrogged me as a brand. Like, he took what I gave him and kind of, like, the resources and pointers I gave him and totally has killed it, like, wholesaling to huge uh companies um, wow and just his stuff is being rocked by like insanely famous people to like grammy's parties and it's like that's awesome happy for you like (laughs) and kareem's a good dude who i've known for a long time um just through different ministries we'd worked with in chicago um and i'm happy for him like i'm not one of those people who would be super jealous but i mean it's cool just to network because sometimes it works out really well for me Right. You know, times you know people network for me and it works out well for them, but I'm I'm just happy for them, you know. I'm pretty content with where my brand is right now. I'm hungry. I always want to keep giving it my best and keep growing it, but there's no sense of jealousy for me. For sure. We're all rooting for each other in in a, in a sense. For sure. Exactly. Yeah, whenever my one of my guests wins, I'm like, "Oh, yes." <laughs> right? Yeah. You're pulling for that team and you have a little bit of an investment, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So with uh, all the experience you've had so far and all that you have ahead of you, what would you say to someone who's looking at the hounds, um, whether the practical clothing side or the charitable side, and they say, maybe it's a kid who, who goes to camp because of one of your shirts uh, and they want to start a clothing brand one day. Uh, what I like to start general when it comes to advice. What advice would you give someone who wants to start a clothing company brand? Uh, yeah, shoot. Um, so number one, if, if anybody has questions, anybody who listens, go ahead and email me, adam at thehoundsltd.com. I will take the time to respond. DM me on Instagram. I'm happy to help you guys out however you need it. Um, general advice that I would give, um, figure out what your goals are with it. Um, keep track of those goals, figure out what you want to do with it. Um, for mm. me, my goal is to really take care of kids from the city of Chicago, build them up, uh, give them the skill sets that they can make their neighborhood, whatever they want to make it. And they can make their community, whatever they want to make it. Um, yeah. 
I've said it before, but like, uh, my goal is to have them be able to do it. So as a white guy from Cedarville, Ohio, I'm not going to know what is most beneficial for people from Humboldt Park or Logan Square or Cicero because it's not my community. So I try to build them up and I try to keep focus on that, especially if they ask for support with whatever program. If somebody comes to me with asking for support for their program and that doesn't necessarily fit in my marketing wheelhouse, um, I got to keep perspective of we're trying to build up these kids in Chicago and kind of do it it from that perspective or when I look at a product and I was like, these margins aren't really what I want them to be. Yeah. Um, I have to keep perspective in that as well. Um, I mean, the margin on my Oxford is less than 50%, which in clothing is not great. Like you want to mark it up 100%, maybe 110%. Right. And that's to your wholesaler. So from like the manufacturer to the wholesaler to the retailer, by the time you get to the retailer, you want to mark up four times pretty much. Yeah. Um, You have to produce it for a quarter of the cost. And I was producing it. Like I was selling it for maybe only like 30, 40% markup. Yeah. Which is all about your end goal, right? Yep. And it's reminding yourself of what your end goal is. Um, If you're only in it to get rich, I mean, (laughs) there's a lot of other stuff you can sell, you know, a lot of stuff that has way better margins on it, has a better safety net. I mean, just go sell. I don't know. I mean, not, not to hate on it, but like, for sure, go sell insurance or something and and do that. The other thing I would say, um, pick up a second language unless you're doing your manufacturing in the U S I was lucky enough to have spoken Spanish. Um, so for me to work with central American sellers, is pretty easy. Guatemala has got a strong industry in it. Honduras is great for shirts, especially, um, but if you feel like going overseas to Pakistan or mm. China, just make sure you have those language skills and get really good at the internet. Like, yeah, just researching, going page after page after page. Like, I, I don't think shirt manufacturer was the Google result that got me anywhere, but if it was Kamisetas or whatever it was, just kept digging and digging and digging until I got there. So I would say, Make sure your research is good. Remember why you're doing it. The other thing that I would really preach to people Mm. is uh, before you go about turning a hundred grand into a million dollars, see if you can turn $1 into $10. Yeah. So, and if you can do it, it'll probably scale. Yeah. Um, Because manufacturing scales pretty easily for shirts. If you think of like the typical brands, size um and we can move pretty quick people talk about fast fashion like it's a terrible thing but the whole industry is going towards that my shirts i can place an order to have my shirts sewn and have the complete turnaround in three weeks that's for cut and sew. i can have them at my door that's wild that's it's wild to think about but it's like it also takes away any excuses we have which i love right right there's no excuse yep because otherwise i mean i can make excuses all day and not go as hard at it as I probably should, you know, not steward it as well as I could. Yeah, absolutely. So, but 
feasibility is also another big thing. I mean, understand how much you're going to have to do in sales each month to break even, how much you're going to have to do in sales to meet the goals that you want to make and have a marketing plan as well. Um, don't just think of how you'll, what stages you'll grow at and um, how you will be able to support that from an operation standpoint. But instead of worrying how you're going to be able to package and ship 50 shirts, worry more about how you're going to convince 50 people to buy your shirts. Right, <laughs> right. It's important. Very. I, I completely underestimated that. I thought everybody would be like, yeah, I want to send the kids from Chicago to camp and people would just flock. Buy it, no questions asked. That was just my ignorance, though. Right. Yeah. I guess you learn new things as you uh, take new steps. Exactly. For sure. So I have like so that's general. Now, super specific. Uh, I'm not quite sure how uh, it'll manifest yet as I'm still super early, but uh, one of my goals with Sands End, the brand, is to uh, help the homeless in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, where I'm at right now. And so I'm curious, how did you go about, it sounds like you had a previous relationship with the organization that you're working with. Uh, when when you approached them, were you just like, hey, here's an idea, and then they were happy to take the money, and there it is? Or how do you interface with with a charitable organization uh, and, and, you know, saying, hey, I have this, how can I help you? How does that, how does that work? Well, so number one, I would say from a level of authenticity, I think there's a lot of people who their brand kind of embodies them. I mean, you look at some people who can independently build a great brand and people won't really know about it. Right. But if you look at like, like the hundreds doesn't exist without Bobby hundreds. For sure. Like Bobby hundreds is a dude and, and Nike maybe is a little bit looser related, but you have to have Phil Knight and you got to have Phil Bowerman to have Nike. Mm. Uh, and, but you do have your Jeff curls out there who can create stance and nobody will have no idea who Jeff curl is, but no stance is the coolest brand, which by the way, if you get the chance to research Jeff curl, he is the most inspiring dude. Okay. From my perspective, um, because I'm not that cool. And Jeff curl is just, He's just a bro. He's not Pharrell. He's not Virgil Abloh. You know, he's a regular guy that wanted to make a great product. But I think it comes down to authenticity of who you are. So if you're wanting your brand to help the homeless of Madison, you should already be helping the homeless of Madison. For sure. That is. Um, but as far as create, picking a nonprofit partner and going from there, I got really lucky. I had the CEO of that nonprofit's number. <laughs> nice. So we had a good, long-standing relationship. When I was an intern, I had dinner at his house every Sunday and it was just super easy. Um, we had to get it approved with the board though, cause it was going to be a partnership and there was just, that was kind of tough. And so we had to get it approved with the board and the board essentially is just like, Hey, this isn't really a board decision. You guys can do it. <laughs> it seem like there's any risk to it. Um, so we got that taken care of and and there it was easy. And then I say, Hey, what do you guys need? They tell me what they need. And we kind of work backwards from there. I get along with all them really well. Um, like my best friend from growing up, he's out there now he's working for them. So all in all, it works out really well for me. I got lucky in that regard. Right. Right. So for you, I would say number one, if you're thinking about it and you think you're going to be about it, just be about it now. 
for sure. You know? Yeah, getting involved. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, so I, you already had that relationship, but uh, who's to say that, you know, myself or someone else looking to do a similar thing with their products can't start building the relationship now? Uh, you know, if I'm yeah. already involved in local charities, if I'm already, you know, serving meals or doing X, Y, Z to help the homeless, then I'll already have some sort of relationship uh, that I can bounce off of. Uh, exactly. And you don't look like you're coming <laughs> uh, just to benefit yourself, you know, like right. coming out of the woodwork. Using that. Like, this seems marketable right now. And I, I hate to like throw certain brands under the table, but if you look at like Tom's versus Bob's, um, you know, Tom's had this story mm. and they had, um, like, uh, his life story and how he'd already been taking care of the kids. And then Tom's happened. Yeah. And so Tom's had that authenticity, that staying power. And then Bob's, I don't know if you remember that, but I want to say it was Skechers made a shoe uh, Alper got a shoe and did the same one for one thing. And it didn't have the same staying power as Tom because people saw through the inauthenticity. Yeah. So start now, make that relationship. And, uh, and then the nonprofit partners will understand it and they'll be more apt to deal with it. But if you're just a marketer coming, they're not going to be into it. And you no, know, I wouldn't blame them. If oh, for sure. You're saying like, hey, do you have pictures of <laughs> kids who I can put on my shirt to make people want to buy it? Like, <laughs> Yeah, right. They're going to see through that and it's not going to be dignified to those people. So, for sure. No, that's amazing. Kind of taking advantage. Yeah. So I'm excited for you. I'd say definitely do that and then the relationships come with it. If you're, if you're legit and you do right by people, people will do right by you. That is it for this episode of Podcast Sands and Adam. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. I cannot wait to see what you do next. Follow The Hounds at TheHoundsLTD on Instagram and head on over to TheHoundsLTD.com and pick up an Oxford for yourself. You can find all of those links in the show notes at PodcastSandsEnd.com. Keep up with the podcast at PodcastSandsEnd on Instagram and podcastsandsend.com. We've got a new episode every week with new brands, new creators, uh, the stories behind them and advice to go along with it. If you enjoyed the show, uh, hit that favorite button, hit that subscribe button. If you are listening on Anchor, drop me a voice message. I would love to hear from you. And if you have a question as you are going on your own journey, uh, ask. It might show up in next week's episode. Follow my journey at RealMattAndre on Instagram and MattBlogs on YouTube. Shout out as usual to Benjamin Banger. You are listening to his track, Church. Uh, find a link to his newest album once again at podcastsandsend.com. Uh, that's it for this episode. Stay tuned for next week's episode with who knows who. So until next time, peace, love, and rock on. Rock on.